0: Hello friends! It's your old pal Aria Helwani back with another edition of the Wednesday Helwani Show. And in fact, this is the final one of 2020. Not the final podcast you'll get from me this year. We got a brand new DC and Helwani on Monday, but this is the final Wednesday podcast of the year. Can't wait for this one. We got a loaded lineup, an eclectic mix once again, if you will. But first, I do want to give a quick shout out to my good friend, Pablo Torre, one of my favorite people right here at ESPN. He is the host of the ESPN Daily Podcast, which, of course, you can check out every single day over the holidays because they don't stop. Unbelievable. I respect them very much. So if you're itching for some brand new podcasts to listen to over the next few weeks, then I strongly recommend you download and subscribe to the ESPN Daily Podcast wherever you get your favorite pods. All right? Do that. Do that. Now on to today's program, which may contain some language that is not suitable for all audiences, so listener discretion is advised. Enjoy.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Helwani's MMA Show!
0: Back in your life on this Wednesday, December 16th, 2020. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the final Wednesday Helwani show of the year. Again, we've got another DC and Helwani coming your way on Monday. But this is the final Wednesday interview show, if you will. And I'm going to offer some thoughts about this crazy year at the end of today's show. But I do want to get into today's interviews because we got a lot and a lot of interesting stuff. Now, later in the program, we're going to be hearing from Anthony Pettis. Anthony Pettis fights this weekend on the final UFC fight card of 2020. He's fighting a guy named Alex Morono. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really excited to share this interview with you for two reasons. Number one, today, yes, today, December 16th, 2010, 10 years ago today, one of the most famous moments in MMA history happened, the Showtime Kick, Glendale, Arizona final WEC card, final WEC fight, final WEC round, final WEC minute. Anthony Pettis goes off the cage, hits Benson Henderson, knocks him down en route to winning the WEC lightweight title. We all thought he would fight the winner of Frankie Edgar versus Gray Maynard that was happening on January 1st of 2011. Of course, they fought to a draw. He had to fight Clay Guida cuz he didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to sit around and waste time. Um, he ends up losing to Clay Gouda. It was a mess of a situation. Eventually, he got that title, and he was a pretty solid champ before losing, of course, to RDA, UFC 185. But I'll never forget that moment, one of the most iconic moments in the history of the sport. At the time, I was working for Versus, which used to be the Outdoor Life Network, then OLN, then Versus, now NBC Sports Network. And uh, I was working on the pre- and post-show with Molly Karam, who now, of course, is the host of First Take, and uh, Uriah Faber, and we were in attendance for the final WEC card. WEC, great promotion. You can watch some of their old uh, fight cards on the UFC Fight Pass app. And it was the the final one for the Blue Mad and all those great fighters. And this is the final fight. And a 23-year-old Anthony Pettis pulls that off just surreal against a guy, by the way, Benson Henderson, who hails from Arizona. So he was the, the, the fan favorite. Just an amazing moment. So I talked to Anthony Pettis about that on the anniversary of that kick. But more importantly I talked to him about his journey and especially as of late this man has come a long way. I've talked to Anthony Pettis at least 30 times over the last 10 years. I've never heard him sound like this. Never. He is he is a different guy. He's been working with a sports psychiatrist um and it has opened him up to a whole new world so honest, so revealing. Talked about his alcohol abuse, marijuana abuse, talked about depression, talked about turning everything around. He's only 33, going into a big fight against Alex Morneau. Talked about not feeling entitled, but feeling grateful and honored to be on a UFC card, especially the last one of the year. Just really fascinating stuff from Anthony Pettis, so I'm looking forward to sharing that with all of you. Also, spoke to Kevin Holland coming off that great win over Jacare Souza on Saturday at UFC 256, 5-0. In 2020, 5-0 and in the last seven months because his first fight was in May. What a run for Kevin Holland. We talk about who he wants next, talk about his incredible year, his plans for 2021. He's a character. He's one of the breakout stars of 2020. Looking forward to that. Also, we talked to Brandon Moreno, who, of course, fought in the main event on Saturday, fought to a draw against Davison and one of the best fights of the year, one of the best flyweight title fights of all time, if not the best, And unfortunately, he lost his opportunity to uh, win the title in his first title fight and what a journey it was for him. We had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, but he's probably going to get an immediate rematch. And uh, a lot of people think he won that fight, of course, got nailed below the belt at one point in the fight. He's a great guy, a a smiley character, a happy-go-lucky character. I think he's one of the breakout stars of this year as well. And so I get his thoughts on the fight. And also, Davis and Figueredo tell me on Monday, which you can see on the ESPN MMA YouTube channel, that uh, he was battling all kinds of illnesses going into that fight, all the hospital stuff, which has uh, gotten him some heat from the fans, which I think is unfair. I mean, the guy's just telling the truth, and you're saying he he's he's making up excuses. I mean, he, he didn't lose the belt. What does he have to make excuses for? Anyway, uh, so that's coming up as well. But first, of course, big news this week. Reported on Monday, Joel Romero has in fact signed with Bellator. Now, I see a lot of people trying to do a whole like victory tour against me because I said last week on the DC and Hawani show that Bellator wasn't interested in him, neither was PFL. That's a fact. In fact, Scott Coker spoke to MMA Junkie and told him that on either Wednesday or Thursday. That's 100% fact. But after the Anthony Rumble Johnson signing and after listening to our show, that's a fact as well. His managers could say whatever they want. Coker changed his mind. He liked the idea of Rumble fighting Romero. Now, is that 100% the next fight? We'll see. I think they're leaning in that direction. There might be some talk of a tournament, all this stuff. The point is, anyone claiming that I was wrong, anyone claiming that I had nothing to do with it, you're just wrong. And when I said on Monday that you know I'm taking 80%, 85% of the credit, I wasn't joking. I'm being serious right now. That's 100% a shoot, brother. Anyway, I spoke to Yo Romero on, uh, on, when was it? Tuesday night. It was a long interview. In fact, one answer in particular lasted 28 minutes. Now, the entire interview was 52 minutes long. I asked four questions. So we're not going to play the whole thing here. If you want to get the whole thing, go to the ESPN MMA YouTube channel. But there are two interesting parts. Number one, him talking about, His unexpected, surprising release from the UFC, and number two, him talking about the potential Anthony Rumble Johnson fight. Of note, he has reunited with his longtime translator Ray, who kind of disappeared a couple of years ago, and we didn't see him anymore. We they're a great duo. They're kind of the opposite of Davis Figueroa and Vali because Ray literally translates every word he says. So it was great to see them together. You'll hear Ray's voice as well. But anyhow, here's a portion of my conversation with the newest member of the Bellator light heavyweight roster. Yoel, the Soldier of God Romero. The last thing that I would have thought, once
1: he said that Usada wasn't uh, an issue, um, that the last thing I thought was that I was going to get a release uh, from the UFC. the UFC
2: me despedida.
1: The UFC is, uh, you know, saying their goodbyes to you.
2: Yo me
1: yeah. so I started laughing thinking that he you know it was a prank being played on because you know the boys with the BS always and uh, you know and he's like nah he started laughing to himself and I was like nah nah
2: porque a
1: veces sometimes uh, you know to give a good news they use a bad news first just took because, you know, he, you know, the way that that it's gone in the past is like, Oh, look, they're not giving you the fight or they, you know, they canceled your fight or whatever it is. And then they tell you, nah, just kidding. You know, you're going to go fight for the belt or you're going to get another shot at uh, a world title, whatever. So that's what he, that's what he thought was happening. So, you know, uh, you know, I was, I would have never expected this. I was uh, training, you know, not extra hard, but training with an intensity that I was going to run through my next two fights, get another shot at Izzy. And uh, once I was in there, I was going in to take his head off, where either, you know, uh, you take my head off or I'm taking your head off. That was uh, my idea. So, you know, when 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 Ibrahim said, uh, hey, you know, he got the release, I thought he was going to change it and tell me that I had the fight with uh, Izzy. And, you know, when he saw in his face, You know, who's serious? And he's like, nah, Joe, you know, you've been released.
0: Once you signed, everyone said, Romero, Rumble Johnson. This is the fight that has to happen. This is the first fight for, excuse me, for both guys that everyone wants to see. Does this fight interest you? You fighting Rumble Johnson at 205 pounds in your Bellator debut, is this what you want?
1: You know, first and foremost, you know, at, uh, at 205, Bellator has a huge amount of uh, incredible athletes. You know, Malky and I were all looking at all the 205ers that are there and incredible talented athletes. You know, in, in the 205 division, not, uh, not talking about the champ, you got, you know, three or four incredible athletes that have already discussed the title, and have always been between number two, number three, number four of the top competitors, even when Johnny Bone Jones, which to me is pound for pound the best fighter ever in MMA history, um, you know, in that division, there's there's a lot of prospects. There's a lot of uh, opportunities. You know, to throw a name out there right now is uh, pure speculation. You know, because there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that I'm not supposed to speak about that I, I can't say yet. Pero es una gran posibilidad. But... There's a huge possibility that 90% chance that he'll be the first one to face Yoel Romero. That that, uh, I know will be a fight that will please
0: uh, people, that people will want to watch that. All right, again, so if you want to listen to a classic Yoel Romero interview, where at one point he gives me a 28 minute answer, one of the longest I've ever received. I, I think that Diego has the record still, Diego Sanchez, 40 minutes. Um, go check that out on the ESPN MMA YouTube channel. And I do see some people saying, nah, wait. Don't do the Rumble Romero fight right away, build to it. Listen, Anthony Johnson hasn't fought in four years. Yo Romero's 43. What are you waiting for? Make the fight right now. I got an email yesterday from a betting site giving me early odds on Romero versus Rumble. I get these all the time about UFC fights and boxing fights. I never get them about Bellator fights. Strike while the iron's hot, make the fight, don't dilly-dally because historically when you dilly-dally and you try to save it, bad things happen. Just ask Bellator, the first regime, when they tried to save Eddie Alvarez versus Roger Huerta. It never works. So those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Make that fight right now. All right, now let's talk about another great Mexican fighter. This one, born in Mexico... Brandon Moreno, massive, massive performance on Saturday. Unfortunately, didn't get the title, fought to a draw, but breakout performance, one of the fights of the year. I spoke to him about how he's feeling. I spoke to him about the draw. I spoke to him about the low blow. I spoke to him about Figueredo's hospital visits and about the rematch. Enjoy. All right. And now let us say hello to the man who fought to a draw on Saturday night in the main event of UFC 256, one of the best fights of 2020, if not the best, one of the best flyweight title fights of all time, if not the best. What a performance from the assassin baby Brandon Moreno. He is kind enough to join us here on the program. Brandon, first off, thank you for the time. And the obvious question off the bat is how are you feeling after that five round fight?
3: No, man, thank you for your time, man. For me, no problem. Um, Right now, I feel like it's a little bit swollen, a little bit sore. But no, happy, happy, you know, to finish this year, this crazy year, like, uh, like with success, you know? Any serious injuries after the fight? No, no, no. I, I, yesterday, I had an X-ray and an MRI just to wish to stay uh, completely sure nothing bad happens on me. But no, I, I think it's just swelling and sore. Um, my shoulder and my forearm hurts a little bit, but I think I'm fine. Actually, I have an appointment with the doctor in the, um, later.
0: Okay. And the eye is okay? The right eye?
3: Yes. Yes. Just swelling. Just purple. <laughs> but I'm fine. I mean, Man, the guy punched really hard, but <laughs> I don't have nothing serious, to be honest. Have you rewatched the fight yet? Uh, no, no, Jay. I need to watch the fight. I have my my account of PayPal, but my account is Mexican, so I try to use it here in the United States, and I, I can use it.
0: Oh wow! So you haven't gone home yet?
3: No, I'm in Vegas. Uh, I'll be part of the broadcast this this weekend for the event.
0: Yes. Okay. So, so man, so... I am a hard worker. That's amazing. So you haven't had
3: a chance to see your family? Oh, my family is here, is with. I mean, my wife and my three kids. After the uh, next Sunday, I will go to Tijuana and see my parents and, you know.
0: Okay. Um, when that fight was over, after everything you went through those 25 minutes, did you think in your heart that you had won?
3: Um, may, I mean, I I, felt, I feel like uh, the, the second, the third, and the fourth was mine. Obviously, obviously the fifth, uh, I feel like a very, very sore in my shoulder, my, my left. Arm is my it's one of my huge uh, skills and weapons I have. So I feel very sore and and, th- and I feel too much pain in my in my left arm. So I tried to push forward and put more pressure on Davison, but I, I I can't do it in that moment and trying to to take him down again. But you know my my arms was like devastated, you know, like destroyed.
0: Now, obviously, a major turning point in the fight was the low blow in the third. And it was hard to watch you. You were coughing. You looked like you were in a lot of pain. How did that feel? How much pain were you in?
3: Man, I mean, I think it's the first time I, I take time when the reference uh, told me, you know, because I'll, I was like, no, I'm fine. I can continue the fight. But in that moment was very painful. Everything was very painful. Uh, I'm trying to recover myself very fast because I know figueredo was tired in that moment. And he started to recover his, uh, uh, himself very, very, uh, very well. I'm trying to go very fast to the fight, but I, I can't do it. <laughs>
0: uh, were you close to not being able to continue?
3: No, but man, I just needed to take my, my minutes. You know, I never take the the, the time when the referee say I need I need time, but in that moment, definitely needed.
0: Amazingly, the back end of that moment. You could say you won the rest of the round, and then you won the fourth round convincingly. Was it bothering you, or did it just like in the moment you're you have so much adrenaline, you just kind of forget about it all?
3: I think both. I was I had like a, too much adrenaline, but uh, but you know I was angry. You know, like we, the guys start with the uh, with the eye pokes. Mm. The, the referee don't do nothing. I mean, the the referee Jason is one of the is the the most. Uh, uh, amazing referees right now, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, I understand. I, I understand. But in person, I think fucking Figueredo start to pull, poke my eyes like uh, three times in a row. Like, hey, why? <laughs> so, yeah, I was very angry in that moment and I tried to push forward.
0: Do you think the eye pokes were intentional?
3: <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I understand one. I, under, I understand even two. But, man, three in a row? I don't know. I, I think he was very frustrated, you know, maybe. And he lost his mind, maybe. Mm.
0: Um, and you talked about his power and, and you didn't get injured. Like, now being in there, people talk about his power and how strong he is. Feeling him, w- would you say that he's one of the hardest hitting or maybe the hardest hitting flyweight that you've ever fought? Was the power everything that people <laughs> said it was, or were you not impressed with the power?
3: Ah. Uh... In some point, i mean, obviously yes. I'm impressed with his power. You know, he punched very hard. But I don't know the media and all the people around around this world of the mixed martial arts talked about him like fucking super god. You know, the god of war. And man, obviously he's impressive. He's very good. But but he's a human being just like me. You know. Um. He moved, and I think the, the fight looks more impressive because he punched, you know, my body. And I, I felt like I blocked a lot of, of his punches, but for, you know, for his power, because he moved my body, looks very impressive for the judges and for the people. But I, I, I felt like I blocked, like, a lot of, of his punches.
0: I spoke to him on Monday, and, and he alluded to this on, on uh, Saturday night, but he told me... At length, what he had been through the night before, going to the hospital a couple times, throwing up, being sick. Uh, I'm wondering, did you know about any of that? I'll I'll get your, I'll get your take on what he said, but I'm just curious. Did you hear about that going into the fight, or is this all news to you?
3: No, I, I I heard about that after the fight, but man, I need to talk with Davison and say hello, welcome to the world of the mixed martial arts. You know, it's very normal. That is very normal. (laughs) You know. I never talked before about that, but in the UFC, I fought like two times, sick in my stomach, you know, but I never say nothing because, man, uh, the UFC don't put a trigger, you know, in my head to go to a fight, so it's my problem, you know, but I I understand just if you was sick, why you fight? (laughs) So, so,
0: what is your reaction to him talking about this now? Do you feel like his, you know, I'll be honest, i I believe him, but I've also seen a lot of the comments, and I see the comments from the fans saying, "Oh, you're making excuses. you're 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 trying to give a reason why you didn't win the fight. What is your reaction to seeing this?
3: Ah <laughs> both. Excuses, you know? Yes, I think excuses, you know, for example, me, I'm making excuses with my with my arm because I have my right arm, I have my legs, I have more, more weapons. So man, everything are excuses.
0: Okay. Does it bother you?
3: No, it's fine. I don't care. Everybody loves the fight, and that's make me feel so happy.
0: Yeah. I mean, in a way, it's good that he fought, right? For you as well, because even though you didn't win, would you say your life has changed now? I mean, a lot more people know who you are and you're getting a lot more respect, right? Man.
3: <sighs> everything is amazing you know my social media explode last night after the fight a lot of people talk with me say hey, man you're amazing you are a, a, a Mexican warrior uh, man that made me feel so proud of my work um, I have a lot of respect of uh, other fighters who I, uh, I have too much uh, respect you know like you know, other other fighters, like, say, send me a message and say, hey, Congress, brother, you look like a wireman. That made me feel, like, you know, amazing, sure. you know, impressive.
0: Are you getting a lot of love in your country uh, from the media? Yes. Yeah.
3: Man, yes, you know, like, a, lot, a lot of support, you know. Obviously, uh, in the world, exists too much hate, you know. It exists, obviously, in my country, too. But in general, I think 90% of the people uh, who watched the, the fight last night last Saturday, sorry, you know, I have all his support and I'm so happy. I'm so proud for that.
0: It's a crazy thing because it was a, it was an amazing fight. You're getting a ton of love. It's almost like neither of you lost yet. You don't have the belt and he does. So like, how, how does it feel to go through a fight like that? You get all this praise, all this love. A lot of people thought you won, but you're not champion. You don't get to fulfill your dream. Does that, does that eat at you inside?
3: Um, yeah, I, the the final target is not accomplished yet. I I want I want to fight against uh, against Davison Figueredo. I want them, that belt. I know I can do it. I can do it. Just I need to stay focused uh, uh, from the first and the fifth round. You know, stay focused in the fight. Uh, I I know I can beat him. I know I can beat and more now. Mm. Before I, I knew, now completely I know I can beat him, just we need to make that rematch and we'll see what happens again.
0: Uh, did you lose focus in the fight? Is that why you're saying that? Did you feel like you no, did? No,
3: but, you know, I was very distracted with my, with my pain yeah. in my arms, you know, like, fuck. You know, obviously I was tired too, you know. I yeah. think Figueredo was more tired, but I was tired too. So that's make me feel like maybe a little bit distracted, you know, more for my, for the pain of the arm, but again, fucking excuses. I don't, I don't like that. Mm. I need to go to the fight again.
0: Um, also, when I spoke to Mama he said he wants to fight you again and he wants to do it in June. Um, does that work for you? Do, do you like that? Or is that a little too long to
3: wait? <sighs> Man, it's, I think April sounds good for me. April sounds mm. good for me, you know, for a good training camp for a good game plan with my partners with my head coach in Tijuana and then go through the fight. June is, is too much. But we'll see, you know, we need to tell we need to talk with I need to talk with my manager, with Jason, I need to talk with the with the company, with yeah with with Dana, with with Nick, and we'll see.
0: Um but it seems like the good news is they are gonna give you the immediate rematch, right? Is that what you're hearing as well? Yeah. Until
3: That's right good. now, yes. what... Yes. Actually they know what Dana White, after the fight, told me, like, hey, you have the rematch next year. So we'll wow. enjoy, enjoy Christmas, enjoy your family, and, and see, you, see you next year.
0: Okay. Um, and, you know, when I asked him about the rematch, he said, if I wasn't sick, I would have knocked out Brandon in the first round.
3: <laughs> what is your reaction oh, to
0: that?
3: It's crazy, man. It's, it's so crazy after uh, talking shit after a fucking fight, uh, fight like that. It's fine. It's fine. You know, he, he wants his Gucci sunglasses, his fancy clothes. Fuck okay, it. Let's go.
0: <laughs> well, I'll ask you, and I know you say you don't want to make excuses, but if you had a full training camp for your first title fight, do you think the fight goes differently?
3: Maybe, but but what's the same for him? So I can yeah. make that kind of excuses, you know?
0: Yeah. What a year for you, though, right? I mean, to end I know. like this. Are you able to be happy about it, even though you didn't get the belt?
3: Man... Watch me right now! I'm so happy, you know. I'm enjoying uh, uh, my time with my family. I spend time with my three kids. Um, obviously, I have too much love, too much support from the people. Makes me feel like very, very good, you know. Like sometimes when I go to the bed these days, I start to think about the fight. Like man, I, I maybe I can do this or can do that, but it is what it is. I need to enjoy this kind of moments, you know. I need to yes. enjoy this this year because it was crazy, it was chaotic for everybody, but I had the opportunity, I the, the, the lucky to to get success this year.
0: Amazing. Well, uh, enjoy it, enjoy the holidays, and and uh, congratulations, Brandon. I know you didn't you know, get the belt, but you should be very proud of that fight. That was an incredible fight to watch. And I don't know what's in your chin, my friend, but holy smokes, you could take a punch.
3: (laughs) It's an amazing
0: thing to watch you in action. So uh, I hope you're proud of what you did.
3: Man, thank you so much, bro. I appreciated your time. And, and, you know, it's it's special for me. uh, See you next year because next year will be crazy. Enjoy. Talk to you then. Awesome.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? All right, and now let us say hello to one of the biggest stories of 2020. What a year this man has had. Kevin Holland improved to 5-0 and this year. He's coming off that amazing win over Ray Souza at UFC 256, and here he is sitting in the driver's seat to set up a massive 2021, but we did want to talk to him because we spoke to him just a few weeks ago, and the first question I would ask you, uh, Kevin, is where's Pops? You, you were supposed to bring Pops
4: on to – I was supposed to. I couldn't sure. stay long. I, I thought I was uh, I thought I was going to uh, be doing something this weekend. It turns out I wasn't going to be doing anything this weekend.
2: Oh. If that was the
4: case, I would have stayed in California a little longer. But, you know, I came back home to Texas so I could get ready.
0: Now, wait, wait a second. You said you thought you were going to do something this weekend. Did it involve
4: fighting? Ah, jiu jitsu. I thought I was going to do a jiu jitsu match, but they pulled the plug on it. So oh. maybe next time. Who's they? Oh, the boss. The boss, they said, no, not right now. They said, you've, you've done enough this year. <laughs> Sit still.
0: Sit you, still, grasshopper. But you wanted to be active. You you wanted to get one more competition in this year.
4: Yeah, I'm still hungry. You know, I'm very hungry. And it's like, uh, I feel like I'm more hungry now than I was, per se, you know, Halloween night or uh, the fight before that or the fight before that. And It's like... Uh, Winning tastes good. You know, winning at this level tastes even better. You know, it's like uh, tougher the fight and it seems like the happier I am. And then the fight's over and I'm back like, oh, man, looking for that thrill again. So I keep the thrill going. So
0: when you have like a relatively quick fight, like the one that you had on Saturday, while spectacular, do you almost feel unfulfilled because it was so quick? Yeah. yeah, I definitely want more.
4: You know, it's like uh, I don't, you know, it's like I don't like to get cut open in my fights because then my, uh, my family's like, oh, you got cut. That's not good. But then at the same time, you know, the warrior in you is like, you know, you want to bleed. You want to get banged up. You know, you want to have a good fight. You know, it uh, dies down the warrior spirit for a little while, you know.
0: Was there any chance of you fighting on this December
4: 19th card? Like, was that brought up at all? No, no, no. But I shoot. I figured i, sh- I shoot my shot, you know, shoot or shoot. So I had to <laughs> shoot, you know. Yeah, so. But they didn't Better luck them. next time. No, no entertainment on that part. Uh, better luck next time you know it's always i could always try and get six to seven next year so that's right see if we can start a little bit sooner than we started this year and maybe we can get the job done
0: um so i want to talk to you about saturday and you know i i refer to you on monday's show with dc and i don't even know if this makes any sense to you if it means anything to you but i said like you're the ufc's version of gary payton do you remember gary payton the basketball player the glove Uh, a little bit yeah yeah. Well, the, well, the glove, and, and I say this with the utmost respect, he never stopped talking, right? He was known as one yeah. of the best trash talkers in the history of the NBA. He just did not stop from the beginning of the game to the end, but he backed it up. He's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer, right? He's a legend in the game. That's and idea. that's when, when I saw you walk out and d- you did not stop talking from the beginning to the end on a big stage like this, like it's one thing to do it, but you're, you're fighting Jacare. I was like, man, this guy is something else. Why do you feel the need to do that? Is, is that just something that you do or is it something that's part of the mind yeah. game to throw him off his game?
4: No, it's just, it's just who I am, you know, and it's like uh, what comes to mind is just what what goes, you know, and it's like uh, if I feel the need to talk, I'm going to talk. Closed mouth never got fed, you know, and I always have something to say and I'm always hungry. So I don't know, you know, it's like I'm just out there having a good time and the part of having a good time is conversation. Conversation rules the world, you know, so uh, we're just in there speaking and greeting, doing our thing, you know, the the officials that they used. the officials were cool you know they were good people house back there wrapping my hands he's a great character you know somebody dope to talk to um the referee I've had the same referee almost every fight this year so he knows how I am he knows how I get down so you know it's like it's almost like I'm just out there hanging out you know it's like I'm so used to seeing the UFC crew I'm so used to doing everything you know that we've been doing this year so it's like I'm really just out there just having a good old time and then Jacare was down you know Jacare was out there dancing and he was grooving. And, you know, if I spoke to him, he spoke back really respectful. So it was a good time. You know, it was a good time for me. You know, it's like, um, you know, his birthday was the week before that. I said, I went on a post and said, Hey, we're going to celebrate your birthday in a week. Don't trip. And we went out there, we danced, we had a good time. You know, I don't know if anybody had any drinks after I had to go, I had to shoot out early. I'm sorry, but ultimately it was a great night. You know, I don't, you know, it sucks to lose, but I think, you know, overall, Jacare had a great spirit from the beginning to the end of the night. And, um, Legend for a reason, you know, and it was a good night for a reason. Uh, props to Jacare. You know, he actually gave me his gloves to give to my grandfather because my grandfather's a big fan of Jacare. Wow. So, you know, it's like Jacare is amazing. The the night was amazing. Me talking the whole time uh, was all a part of us having a good old time, you know, and that's what I try and have every time I go in there. It's a good old time in the back. He gave you the gloves in the back. Yeah. In the back, when I was walking out, he was in the medical thing. I went and I seen him. He asked me to come in there, came in there. He gave me the gloves and said, give him to the grandfather. He's a big fan of mine, right? I said, yes, sir. Told him we're all big fans of his, you know, which we all are. And uh, he told me to give the gloves to pop with the blue tape on them. He said, give those to pop. And so. Wow. Which How did is really he know nice. that? Uh, I guess from watching some of the interviews and stuff like that. So, and then I told him when we were in the cage and after the fight, you know, I went over there, I almost got emotional for a second. I always tell myself never cry in the cage, but I almost got emotional for a second there you know Jockery you know it's like a lot of people have people they look like oh this guy's this, this guy's that but jacaray you know it's like if you know you know what i mean if you watch and you like just like pure good fighting you know jacaray's a beast you know it's like the alec from the alligator clapping to the way he would sub people to the way he'd knock people out it's like he's always been somebody entertaining to watch and he's an og in the game you know it's like a strike force champ you know, it sucks that he never got the UFC champ, but, you know, it's like Strike Force champ for sure. And one of the first things that I've seen was Strike Force. You know, my grandpa, like I said, he should switch back and forth from Strike Force to boxing, Strike Force to boxing. That was just his thing, you know. So, you know, Showtime and HBO right, right there next to each other.
0: Um, Obviously, you were happy about it and it was an incredible finish. I'm going to ask you about it, but it did seem afterwards like you were you know, you were a little bummed that it had to be Jacare, right? Because you have so much respect for him, right? Was, was it was it strange exactly. to do that, to, to knock him out like that because of the respect that you have for the guy?
4: Yeah, the respect I have for Jacare, it sucks to have to do that to Jacare. But at the same time, going in there, I knew what I had to do to beat Jacare, you know? So, uh, yeah, it definitely sucked. And then after that, you know, it's like, you ask yourself, why do you always have to, why do you always seem like you always have to get fights against people that are cool and that you might actually like? Why can't I just beat the crap out of the guys that I don't really, uh, I'm not really that fond of, you know? And it's like, at that moment in time that's kind of what I'm feeling like oh this could have been this guy this guy that guy but it wasn't you know it's jockere you know it's like jobs a job though you know we do what we got to do
0: is that a sequence i mean i don't even know if you can practice something like that but like to do some, to knock someone off off your back like that is very rare is that something that you actually prepare for do you do you put yourself in that spot and see if you can actually unleash that kind of power
4: off your back No, we get in that position a lot to see if you can get back up. That's about it. I mean, I may chunk that shot in the gym, you know, trying to get back up, practicing getting up. But, you know, that's just playing around. You know, it's never like, oh, I'm going to go out there and knock somebody out off my back or I'm going to go out there and devastate somebody from here. No, you just practice on getting up, get back to your feet and striking again and looking for openings as you stand up. It just worked out, man. You know, um, like. I hit him here, you know, which is a good people say, well, that doesn't do anything to anybody. Well, this is supposed to be a pressure point up here. You know, and it's like, it was in a dirty 30 breakdown from my, my original for Kung Fu, you know, it was a part of getting a new belt. Yeah. I didn't know the dirty 30, you know, it was like, you ask me a dirty 30 now. And it's like, I probably hit about 17, get lucky, you know? And it's like, um, but that was one of those spots that I remembered. So it's like executed with precision, but the game plan, just at the spare of the moment, you know, good thing I had it. Um, Amazingly,
0: you were supposed to headline, Two weekends ago against Hermantin, you get COVID and and they do the switcheroo. But how did the COVID affect you? Because it just seemed like the day we found out you were out, they booked you in this new fight. While it seemed like you still had COVID, like physically, how did it affect you?
4: Physically, I didn't feel anything, to be honest with you. Physically, I was good the whole time. Got the family tested. Everybody came back negative. We were pretty much good. We were all good in the house, you know. For two days, I felt like I had a common cold, uh, and that was before I knew I had the COVID, and that was, like, the day before Thanksgiving, and then on Thanksgiving, and then uh, it seemed like I got the test, woke up the next day, and was like, man, they tripping. I feel good. Give me another fight. What, what do we have on the books? Uh, I never felt down. I trained in the garage the whole time until I got two negative tests, and I could go back to the gym. I got two negative tests before a week was up, you know? And it's like, uh, you know, you only had a week before you had to go and get on the plane to go to... Vegas anyways I had two negative tests before that was up and was already training again so no big deal I felt maybe a false positive who knows but it all worked out
0: were you bummed that you lost out on on a main event that I mean obviously that was a big deal against a a known guy did that bum you out
4: no not really it was nice to get the notoriety no no uh it was nice to get the notoriety and everything for uh you know about to get that spot and you know, it was cool and everything, but it was never really mine to begin with. It was Darren Till's, So I was just stepping in to fulfill that fight. All of a sudden, I couldn't step in to fulfill the fight, but I still had another fight lined up. I was just happy to have something, you know, and it's like uh, the thought of not fighting sucks. The thought of losing a fight, yeah, shit happens. Not fighting? Hmm, I don't like the way that sounds. So as long as you can give me something else, I ain't going to cry over uh, spilt milk. I just pour another glass. Uh, do you believe that you're the fighter of the year? Uh, eh, you know, it'd be nice to have a little a little award to put up in the man cave, but it ultimately doesn't. I don't think it, I don't think you had a check for it, right?
0: No, I don't. Th- not that I know of. I mean, I know the UFC is starting to nah. do their own now, but I I, I don't think so.
4: Yeah, it's it's not more money, and it's it's not um, it's just it's more ego for somebody. Somebody else can get it if it makes them feel you know better about themselves. But I feel great about myself, so you know, Fighter of the Year, and it's like all my boys and people that I really you know opinions that I care about they think I'm the fighter of the year that's all that matters you know we'll go out we'll have a badass barbecue you know we don't have to worry about so much COVID and we'll do our thing but that'll be that'll be our celebration but I don't need the trophy will be nice in the man cave but at the same time I'm not even going with that theme in the man cave so
0: how soon like realistically perfect world are you shooting for the January 16th card are you shooting to fight next month on fight island if Is that's that, where they go
4: no no, no, I don't really want to go to Fight Island. Like, uh, if we're being honest, you know, it's like I don't really want to go to Fight Island. Why not? It's like uh, I I like the Apex. Okay. And uh, it's like I'm I'm fine with it, The Apex, you know, it's like <sighs> Fight Island's like a vacation for some of these guys. I'm not I'm not going to have fun. I'm going to work, you know. So nice island and stuff like that. I'm down to go out there and watch some fights. You know, you can put me out there watching fights. That'd be sick. Uh, to fight, I go right down the street to the Apex. I'm cool with that. Now, like I said, if Darren Stewart gets some wins and they say I need to rematch Darren Stewart, I'll go to the freaking fight island for Darren Stewart just so he can't cry and say about the judges. I'll do that for him because he's a good guy. I'll do that for him. But just to go out there for nothing? No. And it's like if me and Derek Brunson are going to fight, I could fight him right here locally. You know, it's like we're both right out here. Let's just do it here. We don't have to waste money on an air flight. You know, it's like uh, we could both drive to the Apex. Let's do that. I like the way that sounds. You know, And so – yeah, if it makes sense for them to fly me there, I'll fly there. If not, let's keep it at the apex. Whenever they go back to the apex, I'm down for that.
0: Is that the next one? Is he the next one on your list, Derek Brunson?
4: I would love for it to be. You know, it's like uh, I would love for it to be. You know, if you keep speaking it, it may just happen. You know, so keeps talking about it. <laughs> Why would you love for it to be? We, we've we had a few little talks, you know, and it's like, um, you know, we were we were supposed to be on the same card with uh, when he fought Edmund Shabazian. I was supposed to be fighting Trevin Giles. That fight fell apart. Um, I think I was, you know, I was, I was low key hoping his fight fell apart so I could fight him that night. You know, uh, didn't work out. I was watching him warm up in the back room. He just looks weird when he warms up. He just strikes so funny to me. I want to beat him up because I don't like the way he strikes. He just looks awkward. It's like a dis- disrespected striking. It's sad that he's knocked out strikers before with that weird striking. Um, he messaged me before, like, he wanted me to help him get ready for the israel Sonia fight. You know what I'm saying? And I kind of, like, turned it down. And it sucked because they were flooding and stuff like that. So I was kind of glad I didn't go because I didn't want to deal with all that. But it kind of sucks I didn't go because I could have been a help to people who were going through it. But to help Derek Brunson, it's like, it would suck because he's probably pretty good in the gym. He probably just sucks, you know, when he's fighting. He looks weird like that. So I don't know, man. It's like he messaged me another time after I beat Anthony Hernandez and was like, good fight. You ever try and do me like that, I'll throw you on your head. What type of fucking comment is that? Why are you talking about throwing somebody on their head? And I was like, I mentioned him back all hostile. And he kind of was like, bro, I was, you know, trying to see if you wanted to train. You up here tripping. And I was like, don't tell me you're going to throw me on my head. You may talk to other wrestlers like that, but I'm a striker. Don't talk to me like that. That's fighting words. And then it just seems like he's always trying to give me some advice or something. And I'm just like, bro, you're not my uncle. You're not my dad. You're not my mentor. You're not my coach. You're nobody special. Your record's really not that great. Why are you trying to give me advice? You know, it's like, you should really just shut up and stay in your place. And so when I seen him at the airport that time, you know, it's like, he tried to talk me down like i I was tripping and I'm always so hostile. And you're right. I am hostile. He was like, man, you're ready to fight me right here in the airport. You know, it's like, what is wrong with you? I, think, I don't like you. That's what's wrong with me. You know, it's like, you're, you're annoying. You know, you always, you're in my inbox saying stupid shit. And he's like, well, you tag me. I tag you because you had something to say to me. If you never played with me, I wouldn't play with you. And it's a simple, you know, and it's like, uh, just don't like the guy. Yeah. You know, it's just, he gets on my nerves. You know, it's, maybe it's not a good enough story for the people, but it's a good enough story for me to want to put my right hand on his freaking face, you know? And it's like, and for some reason, the right hand's doing pretty good lately. So, and for some reason, his chin doesn't take those too well, you know? So it's a good fight for me. Good fight for me. Besides it being a good fight for me, I just don't like the guy. So, yeah.
0: Um, if, he said something to you you said uh if you ever try me like
4: that again what, what do you mean by that what, like try you like what no he was like if you ever try that against me after my anthony oh, fight gotcha gotcha. the the knee of the you know yeah. the knee the elbow the good it was a good finish you know he's like if you ever try that against me i'll throw you on your head <laughs> he was probably joking he was probably trying to be cool you know it's like i didn't think it was cool you know i thought it was i don't know yes yeah, he's just he's a He's different. He's not my cup of tea. You know, everybody has to be, everybody has their own cup of tea. He's not mine. You know, took two sips, didn't like the guy, spit it out. Now I'm just waiting to flush him down the toilet. You know, it's like, I'm glad he has some wins. And then it makes sense in that part too. Not very many people at 85 right now have a bunch of W's. Me and my manager and my coaches, we're talking about that. He has some wins right now. So, you know, fighting him right now kind of makes sense. He has wins. I have wins. You know, he's at the top of the heap. I'm getting close. I know he doesn't want to fight people that's not ranked. In a spot that puts him close to a title, but I got some hype underneath my name right now, you know quote unquote and on top of that you know it's like if the uFC wants to give me a good fight, I think that's a favorable fight for me
0: this time next year end of twenty twenty one will you have either fought for a uFC title or will you be UFC champion
4: if I fought for the title i am ufc champion i see how you try to do that there (laughs) okay will you be
0: booked to fight or option c will you be booked to fight are you on the verge of fighting for a ufc belt
4: i don't know man i gotta do if Derek brunson's number seven right yeah i beat Derek brunson i'm number seven then i beat up number six i'm number six then i beat up number five i'm number five i do that all the way to the second contender that's six fights in a year right that's the six fights that I asked for it's my math. I hope my math right there. That's the six fight that I asked for. Right. I'm right there. Number one contender. I don't have to fight the champ, you know, and then 2022, though, I'm the champion. Now champion. You know, I'm shooting for six fights next year. Not a champ, not a belt. You know, it's okay. like let's break a record. One record at a time. You know, you think it's possible. Six fights in a year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did five months. We did five fights in seven months. Six fights in the 12 months. Very possible.
0: Okay. So that actually means more to you right now than fighting Izzy for the belt.
4: Yeah. I mean, plus Izzy's up there doing his own thing, you know, and it's like, uh, plus he's, he might not even be the champ when the time comes, you know, he might be heavyweight champ by the time I fight for the middleweight belt, you know, he might be out acting or doing a Puma commercial or some shit, you know, it's like, who knows what Izzy's going to be doing, you know, and it's like, uh, He might be fighting for all the colored flags around the road. You know, it's like, who knows what Izzy's going to be doing? I don't know. You know what I mean? Props to Izzy. What I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be smacking everybody in the 185 division. That's for sure.
2: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: Now let's turn our attention to my conversation with Anthony Pettis. Like I said at the top, today's the 10 year anniversary of the Showtime Kick. I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you are familiar with the Showtime Kick. Again, WEC 53, Glendale, Arizona, December 16, 2010. One of the most iconic moves in the history of this sport and it just so happened i didn't actually book him to talk to him today because of that and it occurred to me as i was thinking about talking to him sometimes i'll i'll have like this internal monologue and i'm like oh wait december 16th that's an important date and then i'll start thinking and then boom it hits me showtime kick wc 53 but that's really not the most interesting part of this conversation the most interesting part is about his growth his work with his sports psychiatrist and just how honest he was about the things he's been through over the last few years. Let's be honest. It's been a roller coaster few years ever since he lost the belt to RDA. I've never heard him this honest. I've never heard him this revealing. Here's my conversation with Showtime Pettis. I honestly can't believe it's been 10 years. So much has happened Man. since then. And uh, here you are still in the UFC, still thriving, coming off a big win over Donald Cerrone. And so let's talk about this. and And in particular, something that you just brought up, you said you've been working with a sports psychiatrist, right? Yeah. Sports psychologist. Yeah. Uh, psychologist. UFC, Excuse
2: yeah, me. The UFC um, is, um, you know, offered this, uh, this route to me. And I, initially I was totally against this man. Like I'm like, yo, I'm a, I'm a, a young tough dude from the South side of Milwaukee. I don't need anyone like, to get in my mind. And like, I'm already strong. I'm a willpower. I have all that, all the, all the things I need. And then my first meeting with this guy, and I, honestly Cerrone was the first fight. I actually got to put that into play of not letting, um, well, first of all, being, being present, you know, getting present in the moment. You know, I think um, when I was when I was when I lost the belt the RDA, um, the only thing I could focus on was become a champion again. And I didn't I wasn't in the now. I was kind of like just in the future. I was like trying to figure out what's next, who do I fight next to become a champion. Um, and I didn't really address the issues in my game that had to get better. And, uh, you know, talking to this guy and it's been about a year now, his name is Micah. Um, it's been about a year now that I've been working with them. I just feel like it's a whole other toolbox that these, these younger fighters need to explore. I mean, and that's, that's the biggest thing I wanted to, to tell these guys, like the, uh, the way it changes your perspective, you know, like going into this fight week you know, I'm going in as I'm blessed to be able to be on this fight card. I'm not, I'm not entitled. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to, uh, you know, for me it was like always the next big fight, the next big name, the next big, uh, I guess the big, the big, something to get me up for these fights. And now with that mindset shift, it's like, man, I get to focus on the parts of my game that I need to get better. And um, that's what I'm excited to go do. You know, a guy like an Alex Morano, I get to go in there and build off of my, my cowboy performance. And I'm not putting all my pressure on my, my physical performance. It's more my mindset. Like going in this fight week, like I'm I'm judging myself on how mentally there I am during these practices. And if, if you can calculate that and you can actually attach to that, it changes the whole perspective of the fight, man. It's, it's just a, uh, that's, that's that's why I really wanted to get in this fight. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I was trying to get on a, a, this fight card before the end of the year because I only got two two fights this year. I usually fight three or four times in a year. Um, so luckily, you know, when whoever got COVID, I, I feel bad for them, man. So like, the spot opened up. I think it was a uh, Leon Edwards a spot opened up on this card and allowed me to get onto this card. Um, but uh, you know, so good luck to Leon and getting better and you know getting his fight going. But I was just I was just excited to show my mental growth and 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 to see like. Uh, the a piece of my my fight that's been missing for a long time i think when i when i came up these ranks i was just so focused on becoming the champ you know i lost my dad that was a huge like distraction for me was fighting and i never really got to get into this side of the game man Get into that mental aspect of like being present in my practices um, and then i, I transferred that into my life man being as a, as a pops as, as, a, as a fiance as a son you know like being present in all these relationships changed my perspective of everything, man. And I just feel like I'm in a totally different space mentally. And it's showing, like, with my practices. Like, I got into this, like, plateau. Um, I wasn't, like, getting better in, in specific situations, um, mainly on the cage, mainly when guys take me down. And I was it was, like a, it was like a mind block. You know, I would, like, revert back to old fights. Like, oh, here we go again. You know, and I wasn't in the present moment. I'm like, here we go again. He's going to hold me down. He's going to try, you know, grinding me out in a decision. And then this guy, Micah, you know, he, 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 we walked through all my fights and he kind of just showed me. How to how to get past that? Get past it and like get to this present moment where I'm at now. Like now, now them things happened. It's in the past, but now, how do we address what's going on now? And I feel like this, my game jumped up so much this year just because of. That. Wow, that is fast. So when did you start working with Micah? Early early last year, right before the Cerrone fight. You know, so like um, so it this, happened in the. I mean, this year, this year, this oh, year, wow, 2020. Okay. Man. So 2020 has been like probably the most growth I've had as a. As a person, man, like, you know, even like not getting too crazy into it, but going into like social media and like letting, letting all them opinions, like it's crazy how quick your mind can get sidetracked. And then you hear one comment and you might be on the top of your game. And all of a sudden, like one comment's like, oh, Pettis can't wrestle. And then boom, there goes 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour of me, like thinking of different situations about wrestling and like, how can I get better? Where like, this guy's making me aware of my emotions. Like when I have an emotion, whether it's anxiety, whether it's uh, uh, even just a confidence issue. Like I can recognize it and like, all right, what made me feel that way? Bring myself back. Like, is it really relevant to right now? If it's not, let's move forward and and do what I can do in this present moment to get better. I've been taking that mindset into these practices and man, I'm telling you the jump in like my ability to stay uh, uh, focused with my coach, obviously, you know, Duke's amazing coach. He has so much, so much to give these fighters, but my ability to um, bring myself back to that practice room and continue on with my, my training at that, at that specific moment has crazy amounts of, of growth in that and uh it was, it's, it's kind of a new a new skill that i got so i mean i'm excited about getting getting to, to go to prove this in the octagon like that this stuff actually works like my my plateau that i was on was more mind-based than it was like actually what physical thing and the ufc introduced you to him well, the UFC hires him. Yeah, all the athletes have an opportunity oh, to, wow. uh, to to see this guy. Yeah, so he's a he's a free service that the UFC offers. You know, and I, like I said, I was totally against it. My fiance is like, man, maybe you should talk to somebody. I'm like, I don't need to talk to nobody. You know, I'm I'm, I'm the kid from the Milwaukee that became the UFC WC world champ. And then like when I talked to him, the first talk, man, like I, tears tears came out. Like, and I don't cry a lot. So like, if I lost my pops, like that's probably the last time I did actually said some real tears. But like, man, the the, the depth that he got into, like not only my fighting life, my personal life, my, my family life, it just, it was freeing, man. It was just like this, this amazing thing that to talk about and then like now the skills that he's giving me to like recognize my feelings and like attach real, a real plan when I get a feeling, you know, like if I get an insecurity feeling, you know, we have a real plan, like, all right, why do you feel this? Where did it come from? And is it relevant to the situation that you're doing now? And is it something that you need to be focusing on right now? And having that ability, like the quicker you can have that ability, the quicker you can get back to the present moment and get into your flow and get into that. What you should, well, made me who I am really.
0: Wow. I'm You know, honestly, like I said earlier, we've been talking a long time. I don't know if I've ever heard you speak about anything like this before, right? Like I could tell you're excited about this and to show off what working with Micah um, will mean on Saturday in the cage. And so let me ask you, cause you, you said a word that kind of s- stuck with me. You said you plateaued. When did you feel like you plateaued? When did you feel like that was starting to happen right after the RDA
2: fight when I when really? I fought RDA? Yeah. Right after the RDA fight, you know, so I went to Melendez. I actually just showed my Melendez fight, my, my first title defense and I was on fire. I looked, I looked, in, I looked amazing in that fight. And then that was in December. And I remember I'm like, all right, I, I lost a whole year of competition. Let's let's get another fight ASAP. So we fought in March. So I literally didn't have no time from, from Melendez to, to RDA and that camp, I didn't have any growth. And if you're RDA, I mean, or anybody that's watching the champion of the world, you're looking for holes in their game. You're looking for, for things that you can capitalize on and RDA did specifically that, you know, and, and I didn't change my game from RDA to uh, Eddie Alvarez to Edson Barboza. And you know, that was my, my little fight, my losing streak right there. I went back and I got to actually look at my, my performance, my mindset. I went back and I remembered the feelings I felt in them fights and it's like A lot of it was insecurity based on me not growing as a fighter, me not having that ability to to see that as a fighter. And, uh, you know, once you you can see that and you can actually take it in for yourself, like your coaches could tell you a million things, your family and friends, uh, outsiders could be like, oh, it's, it's, it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. But until you can actually see it for yourself and be like, all right, I can get back in that cage and remember the feelings I felt. And and the, the the errors I made and all those were decision losses. You know, it was like, it wasn't like I was making these like crazy technical errors. It was a mindset thing. You know, I wasn't there like mentally. I was letting these other things pull away from my performance, and I didn't have the ability to draw myself back at that time. You know, and now that I'm this further along in my career, it's crazy. Like that's why I want other fighters, I man. If they can pursue this and like learn this now, especially younger fighters, if you can pursue this now, it's such a a tool in your in your toolbox that like you're helping yourself grow. You don't need like these coaches. You don't need like uh i mean even if you go into nutrition man they can get into like nutrition and like depression eating and like letting let after the fights you know and all these a lot of fighters do this they get on these waves of like "Yo, i'm gonna eat especially on a loss they get super big and then they go they get skinny again they get motivated again super big and it's just this ability not to see these emotions that pass you and, and you're like instead of 20 minutes it's two weeks you know it's like you're, you're like a depression feeling you're like without ever to, to put yourself back and like, why am I feeling depressed? Like, is it something that I can do to, to fix that now? We let, we let it take over for two, three weeks. And then all of a sudden we jump into another training camp and we kind of ignore that, that, that growth process that needed to take place in then two to three weeks. Um, and then we jump right back into a new name, a new training camp. And I've been living my life this way. And I've been, I've been going from training camp to training camp, to fight, to fight, to next big name. Um, and I never had the chance, well, I did have the chance, but I didn't have the ability to actually sit down with myself and walk through that that decompression area like to, to walk through my fight walk through my performance what did i do good instead of what did i do wrong what did i do good in the fight and mm-hmm. and how can i build on that and uh i think um now that i have the ability to see that man i just feel so much growth in my game and as a person as well
0: do you feel like you know throughout those ups and downs you you did get depressed a lot oh my god yeah depression's
2: huge i mean i think all fighters if they say they don't get depressed it's it's not true i mean we put everything into this, these training camps. We put I mean, not that I wasn't working hard. I was working my ass off, you know, doing weight cuts, um, doing all the practices I needed to do, but then you have the world setting their opinion on you. You know, I got a nine year old daughter and she even can say things like that, you know, you lost your last fight and we can be the toughest dude we want, but that, that cuts down deep. And then if you don't address them, like statements or like Instagram, I mean, Twitter, Facebook, like all these opinions coming at you, if you don't have the ability to sit with yourself, and actually be honest with yourself. Like, like what what feeling does that give me? Anxiety, you know, depression, um, insecurity. Like, that's a huge one for fighters. If you don't have the ability to sit down with yourself and be like, All right, why am I feeling that way? Is it relevant to right now? And what can I do to fix it? That's the best question for ourselves. Not, like, it stuff in the closet. Next training camp. What's the next fight I'll do better. It's the uh, ability to, to, to take your performance and actually, like, be honest with yourself, man. And, like, be kind of your own critic, but but not in the aspect of man, you suck or like, oh, you need to get better. It's more of like, all right, what did I do good? How did, how can I build on that? And where, 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 where are my flaws? And okay, let's address those flaws in this next training camp before I get a next name, before I get a next training camp. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I'm doing, man. Just, just this, this, hell, this whole year, I think 2020 has been like a crazy year of growth for me. Um, and it's just, it's amazing, man. Like I'm on this journey of just like this, this, this mindset, uh, it's really, it's powerful. And especially in sports, like the, the mindset controls the body, it controls the flow. If you can get in that flow and you can get all that other, and that's, that's where I get, I get, I get in the space where I'm not even thinking about nothing. That's how the Showtime kick was born. You know, I was in this flow state where nothing else mattered, but that moment right there. And recently, you know, I've, I've lost that ability and I'm kind of getting back to that. And it's crazy. I didn't even know it before, but now I can actually see it now. When I'm losing track, or I'm losing my ability to be in this conversation or, or in this, this, this training session or, or whatever it is, even with my daughter, you know, I see it like you drift and then you're like, all right, let me pull myself back. Why did I drift? And let me, let me me focus back on, on this, what I'm doing right now.
0: So it's interesting to hear you say this because I'll be honest with you. I mean, like you look at your record, you look at your resume, regardless of wins or losses, you have literally fought everyone. a who's yeah. who. You've never turned it down. You've never turned down an opportunity. You've never said no. And, and you look at that roster. I mean, it's just unbelievable, the guys you fought. And then when this fight came about, I mean, you can make a case that Alex Morono is the least known guy since the WEC days, right? I mean, it's just been a murderer's row. And initially I was like, wow, you went from Cerrone to Alex Morono. I know that might sound like a, a knock on him. But I'm not trying to knock him. He's just no, I mean he's not a household name like Ferguson yeah. and all these guys. And so when you got that offer, what did you think? Did you need to get up for him, or because of the no. state? That you're now you didn't need it.
2: Yeah, bro, it was like it's a, it's a blessing, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm blessed to be part of this card. I'm blessed to be part of this event. Um, and guys like that need fights like this to get known. Like that's how I got known. You know, I had to take the big fights. I had to type fight the big names. Um, and uh, you know, he's everybody in the UFC is killers. Like there's no there's no easy fights. There's no like. Like it just all depends on what 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 fighters show up that night, you know. Like he could be on his A game, and you know you you get a a cold the night before the fight, and that's that's the story they wrote. You know, the the fight fans see that 15 minutes. So um, every fight is dangerous. um, But I think where I'm at right now, I'm not looking to jump back to that title picture. I'm not looking to like get right back in that that top 10, top 15. I mean, wherever I am, I'm not even looking at that no more. It's just progressing. And once I feel like I got that everything clicking on the right, the right, you know, single cind- cylinders. That's when I go back to my entire run, you know, and, and it takes fights like this, you know, I fight, I fought cowboy three weeks. Notice, you know, we both got in there and I had a great time in that fight. And I was only working with Micah probably like two to three months for that fight before that you know, March, April, May, yeah, May, by May, two to three months before that fight. So I had a little bit of them tools, but I was using it more in my personal life, like trying to fix up my personal life and fix, fix my relationships with my, my, my family, my mom, my daughter, my fiance, my brothers. And then, um, now we switched it in gears towards my career, and it's like, bro, it's crazy, you know, like the, the drills he's doing and like the little small things that like you would think are like irrelevant to fighting. Man, it, you you relate back to that when times get tough and you're in your sparring sessions and you're like, damn, I can't figure this out or I'm getting tagged up. The ability to bring yourself back and like, all right, let me get back to my game plan, my 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 skill set. It changes everything, man. You don't you don't lose a whole practice uh, because of a a, a shitty th- a one shitty thought. You know, you, you get that practice. And you get better, and then you get better at like recognizing that thought, and it just all grows together. It's kind of deep stuff, but I man, it's, yeah, it's, no, I love it. Once, once I feel it, it's like once once these fighters understand it, they're like, man, it's so it's so great, so freeing as a fighter.
0: Again, if you want the entire conversation with Anthony Pettis and of everyone that you heard from today, go to the ESPN MMA YouTube channel. They're all there, unedited for your enjoyment. Obviously, appreciate you listening on the pod as well. And we've got another big weekend of MMA coming up. There's one championship on December 18th. There's CFFC on the 18th as well. KSW with their final show of the year. And of course, the final UFC fight card of the year. And what a card it is. As of right this second, 14 fights on this card. There were 15, uh, but we lost one. We'll see what it ends up with. Action kicks off at 4 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. Main card, 7 p.m. Eastern. Just listen to this main card. Wonderboy Thompson against Jeff Neal. Very important fight at 170. Both guys haven't fought this year. Both guys, obviously, players at 170. Neal undefeated in the UFC. Jose Aldo against Marlon Vera. I think Marlon Vera is going to fight for a bantamweight title before it's all said and done. That's a huge fight at 135. Michelle pajeda against Chaos Williams. Two terrifying guys. Chaos has had a great great year. Paeheda is always fun. Human highlight reel. Rob Font against Marlon Moraes, Fascinating fight again at one thirty five. Alex Morono against Anthony Pettis. Spoke about Pettis. Big fight for Morono. Greg Hardy against Marcin Tabura. doesn't get me all that excited, but hey, uh, whatever floats your boat. And then there's a bunch of great names on the uh, on the prelims as well, including Jillian Robertson who's doing really well at 125, Daron Wynn, Mini DC. Anyway, like I said, something for everyone and a great way to end 2020. This was the card, by the way, that was supposed to be headlined by Leon Edwards versus Hamza Shemaev. Unfortunately, we're not getting it. Uh, We were also supposed to get uh, another fight from Kayla Harrison on Thursday in Titan FC, but unfortunately just found out today, Wednesday, that her opponent, Josette Cotton, weighed in. Actually, she didn't weigh in. Harrison weighed in at 155 Cotton didn't even make it to the scale. She had to be hospitalized because she couldn't get under. Get this, 180 pounds. She couldn't get under 180 pounds for a 155 pound fight. That's insane. Kayla tells me she tried to still get on the card. She even offered to reweigh in in an hour at 165. Commission said no. As of right this second, she tells me she's still trying to remain on the card against someone. But that's just something I've never heard of. I mean, 25 pounds is is insane. Um, so we're not getting Kayla Harrison's Titan FC debut, at least as of right now, maybe that changes in the next few hours, but at least as of right now, um, on Thursday night. Now, like I said at the top, this is the final Helwani Wednesday show of 2020. And yes, we're getting one more show on Monday with DC, but I just, I just wanted to say a few things about this year. And if I could, you know, maybe break the fourth wall for just a little bit. And I sort of allude to this stuff from time to time and I've touched on it throughout the year, but obviously no one predicted this year would go this way. I mean, here I am doing the show in my house. You know, I used to go to Bristol. I used to go to the South street seaport to do these shows and, and we don't do that now. Hopefully next year we will. And I'll be honest with you, like first month of the year, fine. Midway through February, not so fine. Uh, There were a lot of changes coming to the show. And I'll just tell you straight, I wasn't happy with the changes. Uh, We were going to make the show shorter. It was going to change locations. There were several things that I was not happy with the Monday show. And then, of course, the pandemic hits. And what's crazy about that is that the pandemic hit Maybe a week or two before the changes were about to go into effect, these changes that I was stressing over, that I was sad about, that I was down about, were about to go into effect. Pandemic hits, so I'll never forget that Monday, right? So, like the pandemic starts here in America, really, like on the Thursday, I think it was March 12th. It starts on March 11th, the Wednesday night, with the the thunder and jazz game and all that stuff. But then March 12th, everything starts to close, and I'm doing a show on Monday. That was the the, the, the Monday after the Kevin Lee Charles Oliveira fight, and. All of a sudden, there is no Monday show, right? I ended up doing an IG Live, if you remember, with uh, Colby Covington and Mike Chiesa jumped in, CM Punk jumped in, one other person may have jumped in. And we did it at 1 p.m. because I wanted to give you guys something. I wanted to keep some sort of sense of normalcy. But then, you know, we were trying to figure out, like, how do we keep this going? And my suggestion was, well, I just started this radio show with DC that we were going to do... You know, we were going to do it before every pay per view on ESPN radio. Why don't we just do that as a placeholder? And so, as you know, we did it, but it was all under the Ariel Hawani's MMA show umbrella. And very quickly, I started to love it, DC started to love it, and everyone else started to love it as well. And so the conversation then began to to center around well, why don't we just do this on Mondays because everyone's enjoying it and the fans seem to enjoy it? And then we'll do the interviews on Wednesday. Now, are the Wednesday interviews the same as they always were? No, things are obviously different. I'm not doing three and a half hours. It's not all in one shot and all that stuff. But I just want to say that I can't thank you all enough for your support this year. Not a lot of bellyaching. You know, sometimes I've I've complained about the fact that the, the fans are a little demanding and they, they complain and all this stuff and they criticize. I didn't get a lot of that this year with all the changes. Um, and even the fact that we're not doing things in a, you know, a beautiful studio that sounds great and looks great. And I just want to say that that really helped me out a lot. And I've taken it upon myself. I didn't miss a single week this year. There were a couple of times where we missed shows here and there, but I've not taken a full week off this year. And I'm not asking for any type of congratulations for that. That was my choice because I really took it upon myself to try and be there for the fans. We all were going through so much and uh, we all needed an escape this year. And I use podcasts as an escape. I use sports as an escape. And there were a couple months where there were no sports. And I just felt like it was incumbent upon me, as I've always said to you guys, that I work for you guys and that ultimately I don't feel like my employer is ESPN. I feel like my employer are the fans. I felt like I had to be there and continue to churn out content. If they wanted me to do three hours on Monday, I would have done it. If they wanted me to do four hours on Wednesday, I would have done it. Whatever they wanted and whatever I was allowed to do, I would have done it and I didn't want to leave you guys hanging. And when I get messages like people telling me they were down and they listened to DC&I and they laughed or they listened to the interviews and it allowed them to forget – about things going on in their in their lives, that is the greatest compliment that I can ever, ever, ever receive from anyone. And I've, I've read them all that you send me. They mean the world to me. And I just want to tell you how much of an honor it was to report on this sport for you guys this year, this crazy year that we will never forget. I haven't been to a fight since March. Not my decision, company's decision. Obviously, I'm supportive of it. But I, like I was afraid that I'd become irrelevant. And you guys didn't allow that to happen. And uh, and I really really appreciate it more than you'll ever know. Um, things are different, but I'm excited. I needed the change. The 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 shows with DC, the chemistry with DC is is better than I could have ever imagined. I genuinely look forward to Mondays as opposed to dreading them. And uh, I can't wait to see where that show goes. I'll never stop interviewing the fighters. It drives me nuts when some people are like, "I miss your interviews." They're right there. They're right there for you either on Wednesdays on this podcast or on the YouTube channel. So, really, nothing's really changed other than Monday and Wednesday getting, you know, a little bit flip-flop. But in the end, you're still getting the content that I think we have always delivered to you in a different little package. But we're there, and we have been there, and we will continue to be there. So, as far as this Wednesday show is concerned, we're taking a couple weeks off. Finally, I will return on January 6th with a special guest to give you the Helwani Nose Awards. 20 or so awards. We've been doing it for seven, eight years. One of my favorite shows of the year. We'll look back on this unforgettable year. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then we've got a show with DC on Monday, another Ariel and the Bad Guy next week. And then we'll return with another DC show on um, just January 11th as we get into a big January card. So one more time, if this is the last show you hear from me this year, if you choose to go that route, happy holidays. Thank you for everything. Please stay safe. Keep your spirits high. Stay positive. Better days are coming. I feel the light. I see the light. I know that we will all be in a better spot this time next year, hopefully at events, seeing each other again. And one more time, thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything that you guys have done. And I hope that I've done a little bit for you as well. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for all your support. It has meant the world to me. And I just want to thank you all for allowing me and DC and these fighters to be a part of your escape valve because that's all I ever want to be. I want to be an escape for you guys. I want to be entertainment for you guys. I want to give you something else to think about, something to enjoy, something to get your mind off of all the craziness that has happened this year. And, and I feel in my heart like we have done that. So I'm uh, I'm done for today. Enjoy the fights. Enjoy everything coming up this weekend. Back on Monday with DC. And as far as this show is concerned, back next year, same time and place. Until then, I say peace. I'm out of here.